Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast do you have the time to listen to me grind take down the film watchers and nerds all at once i am one of those skeptical of status quo lazy and to the bone no doubt about it Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the math's not adding up You said I'm checking out I'm just fine Welcome to the ground Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter and Patreon and YouTube and probably some other places. Um, this is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome back, if if you've been here before. If not, welcome welcome in. I guess uh, appreciate that. Um, what's the subject for today? Rookie value. Now, I did a podcast not so long ago on this, but I I think I I don't know we fully covered it because you know not. It, Everyone still doesn't seem to know. It's weird. I talk about something, I do a lot of work, write an article, do a podcast, and uh, not everyone in the world knows. It's weird. Um, but uh, I want to look at another way right now, um, based on, again, just conversations I'm having about rookies and sophomores, actually, uh, this year. Um, especially this time of year, going into your rookie dress, desperately buying those uh, late round firsts, because they're all going to be Justin Jefferson's and stuff. I want to throw some more perspective out on those rookie drafts for you. So the podcast is either a conversation between me and someone else um, arguing over players, or it's broader perspective stuff. Um, I'm doing rookie videos on YouTube if you want individual breakdowns of players as for the 2021 class. That's where I'm putting them. I do owe... DLF some articles on something like the subject we're going to talk about tonight, which is essentially breakouts and when they happen and how to bet on them and by position when do players break out, essentially. Um, and it kind of fits into this conversation. And by, oh, I mean, I've written them once and uh, they were on, what were they on? FS Statistics and then FS Statistics closed as not probably not because of my articles i hope uh but it's part of dlf now anyway um and so i want to rewrite them re-up them because i've actually found some more interesting information now if you are at all aware of me around nikki harry's first off season i kept talking about this 10 percent target share number um I've since found better ways of looking for thresholds of where a player succeeds or doesn't the reason we're looking at I believe it was 10%. was because that's around the level that Harry didn't reach. <laughs> he was slightly under that. Um, 
sorry, I was just thinking Harry's an interesting conversation in terms of value right now. But we're not we're not on third years right now. We're on second year, sophomores. Um I've since found a better way and a better data set um and actually plugged a tool into my NFL database, uh, which I should point out is behind the Patreon paywall of a whole dollar. Um so, you know, I'll point out I'm being a shill in the hope someone gives me a dollar one day. Because, you know, I've gotten used to food, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, sorry. I rarely mention stuff that's behind a paywall. So <laughs> I feel like I've got to call myself out there. But anyway. Um, and there's actually a better threshold just in terms of target share. In fact, the tool, what it does is it looks up the average across, I don't know, how many is this? Eight or nine different stats which are relatively important or relatively interesting to people thinking about players and how well they did their rookie years. Um, and it looks at the average depending on what thresholds you put in there. So if you want to see the average of what players get um, in their rookie year, if they're going to have two or more top 24 seasons, you can see the averages of those numbers. And I can also now adjust it by age. And there's some interesting changes based on the age of the player, which I'll talk about in a bit in a minute. But instead, I want to stay broad just in case I only get your attention for 10 minutes or so, um, which is fine. I get it. Uh, like... Who who can stay for a full thirty minutes? You know what I mean. It's busy. It's a busy world. I, I've got a house to clean up and bail out of water and get ice off the roof off too. So, um, let me get to the nuts and bolts of it here. Um, anyone telling you right now, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims on those first to second round wide receivers are buy lows right now are probably lying to you. I was just talking to someone on Twitter uh, recently. Um, very upset about this. And I remember being very upset about that kind of narrative myself. But the the lesson or the value in that isn't that people lie on Twitter. Like, w- we know. Everyone wants to get on the train. And just in case Jalen Rager is, reaches the heights of what we thought. I definitely thought he could be in the NFL. Like, I had him in my first two with CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson. And he now has to fall out of that, obviously. Um, so I'm a big fan. I'm not trying to sidestep that, but anyone who wants to sidestep that and wants to get on the Jalen Rager train, maybe for the first time, will say something like Jalen Rager is a buy low because there's no way of calling them to task for that because he's not a buy low. No one who drafted him last year wants to sell him for less and no one who wants to buy right now wants to pay the same or more. That's the opposite of a buy low. That's just a player that no one can reach an agreement on unless someone's willing to take a value loss or someone's willing to pay more than they should. And notice my wording there, despite being a Jalen Rager stan last year, um, we shouldn't be expecting to get more or the same back for him now because all that's happened is a bad rookie season and an extra year of age, neither of which are a good thing in terms of dynasty value. So the question becomes, how do you measure what a bad rookie season is, right? Well, you can look at any stat you want. I'm looking at nine, but target share is the one I'm going to push just for a simple frame of reference, right? 
So, the average target share of players drafted within the first three rounds, where most, frankly, most, the majority of fantasy-relevant players come from, not all, because undrafted free agents matter, damn it, but let me stick to just the most common. Especially because, again, something I've already put out there, and hopefully you know, is that the later you are drafted, the longer your career arc is. That's something that goes into those breakout articles. If you're drafted in the fourth round, like, you have a slightly larger window to break out. It's actually a positive thing with less draft cap because you're less likely to get early opportunity. And so Adam Thielen and even Cameron Meredith and Tyrell Williams and the crew, right, they all have a slower burn. They tend to have a later breakout age and a slower arc to their career. Interestingly, something new that I found is even within the first three rounds, if you start out your NFL career at an older age, Again, we're shrinking our sample size down a little bit here, so buyer beware, but you also seem to have a slower career arc. Now, on average, at wide receiver, the most common breakout year is year two. This is something that I put out when I wrote those articles. I think it was two years ago, and it was something of... It had been found before, but some people that were following me hadn't read those earlier articles, and I was just checking, and it seems to still be true, no matter what date range I look at that the second year is the most often. I think the third year breakout narrative got so high um, that a lot of people were misled thinking that's the most likely or the most common and the thing that happens the most often. I think I have YouTube videos literally on the most common breakout, but anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. That actually the second year is the most likely. So going into 2021... Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, even my erstwhile Brandon, uh, Brian Edwards. Like all those guys, this 2021 season is the most common breakout year. This is the year where if they're going to do it, they're probably going to do it now, right? Third year is almost as common, but not quite. It is less. There is percentages differences. And again, I don't want to quote numbers at you on a podcast, but last time I checked, it was like 27% breakout who are going to break out break in year two and something like 25, 24% breakout year three. So it's marginal, but it is there. Now, the third year breakout narrative, I think, became such a large conversation, essentially, because that's the last year that there is at all any kind of significant likelihood that you're going to break out. Now, Going back to the draft capital stuff, what I found is that if you have later draft capital, those players that are breaking out after the third year are more likely to have absolutely no or very little draft capital. That's fourth round to undrafted free agents. And that's what's creating the signals and breakout rates after that. First round players who don't break out the first three years... Devontae Parker, that's it. There's also Kenny Britt, who had like an 800-yard season in year eight, which used to be the evidence that it could happen. But now we have Corey Davis, who didn't quite hit the top 24, I'll admit, but did have a great season in 2020 as a first-round player after year three. And also Devontae Parker, who did have a top 24 season in year four after year three as a first-round player. But you can already tell it doesn't happen a lot. The more draft capital you have, the more those breakout years of year two and year three are actually relevant to you. If you have lesser draft capital, and Adam Thielen fit in that curve, to be fair, and he's the most best recent example of an undrafted free agent breakout, but like T.Y. Hilton, Stefan Diggs, they have slower burns. Stefan Diggs also hit that age curve. But um, yeah, that, that's where good seasons are coming from, essentially. 
after that third year. And that's why I say they have a slow arc, and that's what I was talking about in those articles. But I can now add to that, if you're a player drafted with draft capital in the first three rounds, and you start your career age 23, I know, late breakouts, uh, or late declares, as they're called these days, um, as college prospects aren't the thing, but the older you are, the more likely you are to have a slower burn. Or to put it another way, if you start your rookie season at age 22 or 23 you're more likely to be a third year breakout than if you start your career age 21 not always because these are averages and there are fallacies involved in there but that should be our general understanding of how breakouts happen lower the draft capital you have the longer you have to break out the older you start the more likely you are to be a third year breakout instead of a second year breakout Now, in the context of an individual player, we need something better than that, because understanding the general pattern of breakouts is a good basis, but what does that mean for Henry Ruggs or Brandon Oak or or T. Higgins? Nothing, essentially, because we take individual context in to evaluating a player's likelihood and whether we should buy or sell or hold or whatever that player. And also, to the point of Jalen Rager is a sell, anyone saying that is just, or buy is just a shill. As far as I, as far as I'm aware, they, they are either, they haven't considered this, they haven't done the research, or they haven't tried to make trades before, or, they're lying because they just want to be on the Jalen Rager train, or they're willing to overpay, which is bad dynasty process. Always. Well, not always, but yeah, it's not really, it's not really the advice you give people. Make sure you overpay for something that's a worse bet now. You know? I, I don't know. Um, anyway. So. H- how to do this? Well, that's where I go back to my nine or eight stats here. Don't I sound fancy? And But <laughs> let's just stick with target share, okay? What's the average target share for a player drafted in the first three rounds who go on eventually, at some point, to have two top 24 seasons or more? It's around about, since 2010, 17.9%. So an 18% threshold. Uh, far above that 10% we were talking with Harry. Now, does that mean if you don't get 19% or uh, whatever it was, 18% target share, then you can't break out? No. It's an average, and therefore there's a fallacy in there, in that some players score lower than that, some pl- score higher than that, and still go on to have good careers. But I'll note, we've taken some of the variants out there. We've defined a rookie as a 21-year-old drafted in the first three rounds. Now, if we expand that and go to a 22 or a 23-year-old rookie, guess what? That number drops a little bit. In fact, varies on a theme between 15 to 18%. So the older your rookie is that you're considering, the more you can allow some variance in that number. However, there is still variance around it. If your player gets 14% as a rookie, that's not terrible. It's not what you want but you probably felt it in his production already, it probably feels like a pretty bad year. Now, why this is this is essentially important is because some players have good rookie years and they can become by lows because people don't recognize it because the experience of their fantasy season is some all some people judge it on. For rookies last year, and this is where we get into the nuts and bolts of it here, who, who am I counting? No one, really. More of a process, but still. Jerry Judy had about a 21% target share last year. He got about position rank 41. Um, he was slightly inefficient on it, on a fantasy points per game 
perspective, but his fantasy for but his expected points were right about in line with players that start at age twenty one, which Jerry Judy did, um, uh, 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 drafted in the first three rounds, which Jerry Judy obviously definitely was. So Jerry Judy had a great rookie season last year. If his value is the same, you buy him for that. That's a buy low in my opinion because he's actually done better. And if his value is still the same, that's that's a value difference, right? So who else fits that mold last year? Obviously, Justin Jefferson does. Brandon Ayuk and T. Higgins are the only ones from 2020, the 2020 class who actually met or exceeded the thresholds for a rookie campaign for a player who's going to go on, on average, to have two or more top 24 seasons. So there's names again, just to be clear. Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins. Those are the only guys who really beat that average. Now, obviously, several of those players are not by lows or even worth considering in that conversation. I would advocate strongly for if you're looking to put value for whatever reason into the wide receiver position, you should be trying to trade for Justin Jefferson. It's not typically my strat. I'm not normally in a position to go buy wide receivers. But yeah, add Justin Jefferson T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, and Jerry Judy, if you're in that position or try attempting to do that. Those are much better bets than first-round picks, for example. I would trade a first-round pick for any of them. They are all worth more than a first-round pick. T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, um, Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk, I was torn on just, you know, to let you know who I am. <laughs> T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, and C.D. Lamb. Oh, shoot, forgot that one. Um, also fits into this mold as well. I, I was very much in uh, on the rest of these guys, so I'm good. Who does that leave? Well, let me remove some names here. Well, it actually leaves quite a lot of players. I mean, everyone from Colin Johnson. Um, who, who else was that year? It's Quintus Cephas. Uh, KJ Hamler, who I did like as a deeper ad, uh, to be honest, in rookie drafts last year, um, and many other names. Obviously, you probably remember what the 2020 class is made of. Um, so I'm just kind of, kind of go from who I think is most valued right now. The Visca Chanel actually had a 15% target share, but overall, his career compares pretty well to the average of prospects who succeed. So if you like Visca Chenault, and you can get him for a first-round pick, that's fair. Personally, I'm not a big LaVisca Chenault guy, but he fits the mold. That's fine. Gabriel Davis and Donald Mooney, both later-round draft picks, I think both of them actually had really good campaigns, especially when you consider their draft capital. Now, Gabriel Davis only had an 11% target share, but he really came on there um, through a certain section of the season. Donald Mooney actually hit 17% as a fourth-round pick, so I actually think he's a slightly better bet, and I actually really liked him as a prospect, which is it's nice to get some confirmation bias going here. So I like both players as ads, if you're trying to add players. Um, I recently was on a, the Rotowire podcast, and they were talking about Gabriel Davis as a first-round pick. Both of these players, or first-round value, sorry, Donald Mooney and Gabriel Davis. I'm I'm, I'm Mooney over Davis personally, but um, I think there are interesting values. I, the the problem they've got is, as I very you know viscerally have experienced, the NFL can fade players with lower draft capital. Now neither of these guys are undrafted. Memory serves, they're fourth round picks. Um, 
But the NFL can still fade them. Neither of them profile as ones. They're not going to be top 12 wide receivers, but they do have the potential to be top 24 wide receivers, for example. So I don't mind the late first round value being put on them. Yeah, sure. I'm kind of in that camp, but where I'm not normally trying to buy wide receivers this way, it's a little hard to pay that. But if you want to go all in on a Mooney or a Davis, I think it's fair to say that they have kind of achieved more value than they had last year. So I can say that for sure. If they were second round picks for you last year, they should be first round picks, I guess, or late first round picks. If we're getting them the third or the second, then we bump them up one round. And because they do more than what we typically see most wide receivers do in their rookie year from any draft capital. And so that's fair. But, you know, just to point out that even as an undrafted and later round draft capital guy, I do have to respect that the draft capital sometimes becomes a hindrance, in my opinion. Who else? Denzel Mims is the only other guy I think was considered late first round value last year. Um, outside of Jalen Rager, who I already briefly mentioned. Um, you could make an argument that he hit the threshold. He actually had a 19% target share. He kind of sucked with it. It was like minus 1.1 fantasy points fantasy points over expected. So he was negative one fantasy point per game. But I don't care as much about efficiency. It is a good idea to look for efficient players based on Blair Andrews' research on rookies. But I do like that volume as well. But he is on the Jets. I would buy Denzel Mims for a first, late first, if I was really looking to add wide receivers. But as I was talking about with my friend on Twitter, the idea, the lie of wide receiver value is they don't lose value. They do if they don't do great. And most people are measuring great in their rookie years by how it felt. So Denzel Mims season might have felt bad, but I don't think it felt bad enough to see people trading him for seconds. But I would definitely trade a second for Denzel Mims. First, I'm starting to teeter, but I think it's fair because he was a late first round value last year as well. Next guy, Henry Ruggs. First first wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft last year, don't you know? No, he had a 10% target share and across all these other stats as well, he looks low, which, again, nice to get some confirmation bias, and I think everyone was kind of lower on rugs than the NFL was, but that's not to say he's not a good player or doesn't have a skill set that is valued there. We're talking specifically in terms of fantasy value. Henry Ruggs is going to be fine in the NFL, I think, but the upside for fantasy is kind of showing through here. He should be worth, in my opinion, less than a first at this point because he's done less than what players do if they're going to go on to have significant you know fantasy careers at least brian edwards another guy i liked in the second round he's just i think he was a second round pick but some people were hyping him up as a late first last year like and i was a big brian edwards fan i just i didn't want to pay that and i definitely don't want to pay that now um i i think he's in the late second conversation maybe third round pick and that's where i would buy him at but I don't think anyone who drafted him last year is going to sell him for that. So he's not a buy low. I'm just trying to give you an idea of where I think their value should be. And if it's different in your league, then you'll know how to exploit it to go buy them or sell them or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so that's Ruggs. Uh, Rager is the last one I'm going to mention, I guess. And again, I've mentioned him a lot. He got a 14% target share last year. He is pretty close to the averages, but all below all of them is what I'm going to tell you. 
he had a bad rookie season. I'm still on Team Rager, obviously, because I'm a ride-or-die draft picker. Um, I would pay, despite the Twitter conversation I just had, a late first if I was buying wide receivers with my late firsts or my first-round picks in general. But you have to do it thinking, knowing, and accepting it's now less likely that he breaks out in the NFL. And you're doing it purely based on his rookie profile because his rookie year in the NFL sucked. This is where we were on Nikhil Harry last offseason when I said I would not buy. And I'm saying I would buy Rager, but it's in the same way I would buy Harry. If I can get him cheaper, I want to add Rager. I want to, wanted to add Harry. But again, the lie of wide receiver value is that they maintain value. They really don't, and they really shouldn't if they don't have good rookie careers. The only times that wide receivers in their sophomore seasons are buy lows is when people don't appreciate a good rookie season. And the only one great example I have of that is Tyler Boyd. I vividly remember everyone thinking he did bad his rookie year and him actually having a good rookie year compared to the average. Yeah, he had about a 15% target share, but he was over six, 700 yards. So, mmm, right on, right on that line, much like Jalen Rager, right? Actually, I, I, I remembered his rookie season being better than that. Oh, that's why, because he was drafted at age 22. So yeah, there's a lower average for players drafted at a slightly higher age. Jalen Rager is a 21-year-old, which is why it's a little more disappointing. All right, um... Yeah, those are my values on wide receivers from last year. At least a high-end talent there. Someone I would like to throw out, because I was recently rethinking about him. Um, If you want to buy a Mooney or a, uh, who did we say, Donald Mooney, I think a cheaper alternative, especially given the Wentz trade recently, would be Zach Pascal. He's got no draft capital. He's an undrafted free agent. He's had two years with 600 yards. He's actually having a good career arc compared to his draft capital. Now, still, him being, I think he'll be going to his fourth or fifth year in 2021. That's late for a breakout, as we already spoke about, but he does have less draft capital. I think the team's very smart. Um, they seem to be they they seem to have very good management over there right now, or at least over the last few years. Um, I've heard news on what used to be Roto World and is now you know something else. God, I hate when things change, don't you? Anyway, um, that they want to keep Zach Pascal. There's been no contract offered or anything, but I think he's going to stay on the team. I think he's going to be decent. I see him as a player with a similar range of outcomes to Mooney or Gabriel Davis. And you should never have to pay more than a second round pick. Where Davis and Mooney could cost you more than a second round pick. But I think his range of outcomes is relatively similar. I think he's had a good career arc. And he's the only wide receiver outside of T.Y. Hilton currently with a good career arc relative to draft capital. Now I know it's unfair to judge Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman so far on their NFL stats because they've been injured. But those injuries are all wrapped up in the average, right? Players who have lower... And stats were likely injured, and they have a lower chance of breaking out because of it. I know. I mean, know that sucks when you get all math on it, because you know it's cold and hard and calculated. But so, frankly, is the NFL. So, if you like 
Harris Campbell, if you like Michael Pittman, I'm not going to tell you not to buy them because what do I know? I don't even watch the tape, you know? But I will say compared, relative to draft capital, the one having a good career arc is Zach Pascal, and he should should actually be a buy low. Now, given the recent trade, and I hate to say because I mentioned him on Twitter, like that's probably not going to affect the value in your league. No one listens to me. Don't worry about it. Um, but because of the recent trade, it might send up some antenna signals if you try to trade for him right now or pick him up off the waiver wire, which sometimes he'll be on the waiver wire. But I think he's worth checking out. Value checking with a trade offer or adding him to another trade as an added additional piece or even just seeing if he's on the waiver wire because he could be. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd throw that name out to you as well. Um, and again... I, it's more process here. I know I'm listing names because people like actionable information. I get it. But I more want you to think in terms of this rookie draft. Any wide receiver you're thinking about spending a pick on will decrease in value. You will not be able to maintain the same value unless they have good good rookie seasons. And if they have good rookie seasons, like the consensus thinks that, then you won't want to trade them when, in fact, you probably should. And you will want to buy them but that won't mean they're a buy low and so we're looking at rookies this year especially at least first round values as values we're hoping to drop this is why we say it's a better proposition to trade a pick than make a the make a pick it is dynasty value is like 10 and 10 out of 10 on that it's also better to trade a pick than to actually make a pick on a player because that value can diminish and it will even at the wide receiver position and I know ADP and trade calculators do not bear that out to be the case, but you should know from your experience playing that you don't want to sell Rago right now. You don't at less than a first round pick or a late second round pick. Are you kidding me? But that's what you would have to sell him for to get rid of him. And that's what people would be willing to pay or should be willing to pay based on a bad quote-unquote, rookie season. At that value, I'm buying Rhaegar, but I don't think anyone's selling him at that value, which means that he's not a buy low. And so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to offer that up as a way of thinking about this rookie draft and la- and the players from last season. Like, wide receiver value does change in one to two, whether they break out or not. And it mostly their value stays the same because people won't sell. <laughs> not because their value is still attainable in trades. Now, there is some actually value in the proposition that you should just always sell players that don't break out year one because they or don't have great seasons year one because they are now less likely to break out. That's why Rager, that's why Harry, I would buy, but only at a lower value than they were originally drafted for. They are less worse bets now. NFL stats matter more. It's rough, but it's true. So consider it, throw it into your process, see what spits out the other side. Hopefully I'm I'm getting getting the point out here. Um, Yeah, hope you're having a good day. Happy, healthy, safe. Keep grinding. Hit me up on Twitter anytime if you want to follow up on this or see some other players compared to the average or see all the averages. Happy to post them. Um, Really appreciate it. Talk to you again next week. Bye. Yeah, bye feels good. I'm going to go with bye. See you later. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. 
Jake on the tape going ape on the place though Pete enumerates the plays are analytical Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical